You are listening to the Happiest Lives Podcast with Jill Lillard, episode number 11. Welcome to the Happiest Lives Podcast, where you'll learn to think better, feel better, and become the woman God says you already are. Here's your host, Jill Lillard. Hey, everyone. Today, we're talking about four mindsets that will kill your conversations. I'm basing these on the four communication habits identified by Dr. John Gottman, which he calls the four horsemen of the apocalypse. According to his research, these four habits are considered predictors of divorce. Now, the way I'm looking at them today is not just the act of being or doing, but I want to look at the mindset, the heart behind the action that leads to the destruction of not only a conversation, but of a relationship. If you are familiar with Gottman's Four Horsemen, you know they are criticism, contempt, defensiveness, and stonewalling. Now, if you're not familiar with John Gottman, he's a psychologist and scientist. He and his wife, Julie, founded the world-renowned Gottman Institute, which has done over 40 years of research on relationships. Gathering biofeedback in their love lab in Seattle, Washington, they articulated concepts that help us better understand healthy relationships. I'm proud to say that I am a Gottman certified therapist, and I had the privilege of doing the last leg of my training in person with John and Julie Gottman. And so I have studied and applied this work for over 20 years. Identifying these four mindsets helps teach a couple to pause and take a break when their conversations aren't going well. In analyzing relationships, Gottman developed the Sound Relationship House Model, a paradigm for looking at relationships, assessing them, and knowing what to do differently. Now, the four horsemen of the apocalypse occasionally rear their head in every relationship. So don't be alarmed if you see some of these from time to time in your own marriage or other relationships you have with other people. Just because you see one does not mean that your relationship is doomed to disaster. However, depending on the frequency, intensity, and duration, we can assess if these have become habits. And if they are habits, you want to get in front of them, see where they're coming from, so you can stop them from ruining your conversations. We do this by capturing the thoughts and feelings leading to these destructive ways of interacting and replacing them with a mindset that serves the relationship. As I coach a couple, if I notice criticism, content, defensiveness, or stonewalling, I will interrupt the conversation, help them step back, and look at what is happening beneath the surface. Doing this will require processing the emotions driving the words or actions. Let's look at each of these horsemen so you can better understand the mindset behind it and consider how it may play out in your conversations. You can then ask, what else is possible? What else would I think about my partner that helps me show up more effectively? So so the first horseman is criticism. This pastime is when you find fault and bring judgment against someone else. If a conversation starts critically, we could say it has a harsh startup. 
there may be a sense of superiority or a belief that somebody has done something wrong or should do things differently. When we habitually critically approach another person, it doesn't usually end well. It wears down the fabric of positive feelings, setting a negative tone for interacting. Feelings of superiority, judgment, dissatisfaction, and discontentment drive critical words. Those thoughts are created when we think our way is better or I'm better, something's wrong with you, things should be different than they are, someone shouldn't have done something, or some someone or something is not good enough. Suppose you tend to be a critical person who's always finding fault. In that case, you want to be aware of the energy you bring into the conversations because it's not serving the relationship. It's not bringing you joy and connectedness if that's what you really desire. Being critical doesn't build others up. Now, this doesn't mean we can't have complaints. It doesn't mean we won't have opinions and preferences. But if you tend to fall, find fault primarily, then you want to own that. You want to notice it and look at the result that it's creating in your relationship. The antidote to criticism is to soften the startup. Don't lead with negativity. Don't point your finger at someone else. Take ownership of your preferences and opinions, creating space for another perspective in a way of seeing and doing life. And if you're going to complain, ensure you have given equal airtime to what is good and right, acknowledging another's good intentions and alternative reality. Cultivate empathy, grace, and consideration for another's point of view. Now, I'm not telling you to censor your words or pretend you aren't feeling critical. It's okay to feel critical. You just want to be able to pause the feeling and not become critical. Let the Lord search your heart, revealing your thoughts and attitudes. Only then can we soften how we see things. If you are looking at things rigidly, and you often feel superior, critical, or judgy, be willing to slow down and let the Lord show you a new way. You may have to let go of perfectionistic standards and embrace imperfection. The second horseman is defensiveness. People become defensive when they feel attacked or criticized. Now, I've also seen people become defensive when I don't see the other person being critical. That may be because of a history of having felt criticized. However, let's not put our energy into the other person or the past that we can't control. Instead, let's consider how we are filtering someone else's words. Gottman tells us that the antidote for defensiveness is to take responsibility. Now, we don't have to take responsibility for what someone else thinks or feels or someone else's actions. However, we can and we should take ownership of our actions. So if you did something or decided about something and someone is critical, you might start feeling defensive. Because you think the other person disapproves of you, you may defend why you did what you did, rather than just taking ownership of what you did and not finding fault with their assessments. If someone is upset, 
that you didn't clean out the toaster, for example, you can agree. If you didn't actually clean out the toaster, then agree with them rather than feeling defensive about it and making up excuses. So that would sound like, you're right, I didn't clean out the toaster. And I know that's frustrating. And I promise I'm not trying to make life harder for you. We don't have to take ownership of their dissatisfaction, but we can create space for what they think and feel as we take ownership of our actions. We may disagree on what we believe the action meant, but when we separate the facts from assessments, we can let people have their opinions without feeling threatened or unsafe. It's better to say, hey, I'm feeling a little defensive right now, than to become defensive, which will quickly shut down your conversation. So take a pause, a deep breath before you respond. And try to sit far from what is happening to see what you are thinking and feeling. And then make room for the other person's reality. If you tend to feel defensive often, just get curious about what you believe that makes you feel that way. What do you think when someone else says words? I have a particular person in my life who I feel defensive when I'm around them. Now, they aren't making me feel that way. My thoughts are, the thought that I have identified that triggers this is, I'm not good enough. Now, I believe that I am good enough. I think my best is enough. Still, I think that this person always is seeing my shortcomings. And I make that mean he sees me as flawed. And that's not okay. The fact is, he does find fault in me or certain things that I do or don't do. He tells me about these things he thinks should be different. Now, even though I disagree with the standards he sets on an emotional level, I get reactive sometimes. If I slow that down and look at why I get emotional and react defensively, it is because I think he should not find fault with me. And yet he does. So he should. However, that's not about me. I don't have to find fault with him for finding fault with me because then I become critical of him being critical of me. When I am mindful of what is going on and take ownership of my actions, thoughts, feelings, and reactions, a thought that helps me is he finds fault with me and that's okay. When I think that, I relax. I listen to his perspective without taking it personally. And the results, I'm okay. The third horseman is contempt. Contempt is a deep hatred or dislike for somebody else. It is criticism taken to a whole new level. People express contempt through criticisms, sarcasm, eye rolling, or other facial expressions. When we start villainizing our partners, then we aren't going to feel close or connected. Once contempt has set in, it's hard to return from it. The antidote for contempt is fostering an atmosphere of admiration and fondness. Tune into the things that you appreciate about your partner. What do you enjoy? What about them is good? Instead of constantly thinking about what is wrong, Look for evidence of what is right. 
For every one negative, you can foster five positives. The fourth horseman is stonewalling. This habit is when we shut down, withdraw, or check out. We may buffer our emotions by being busy, getting on our cell phone, TV, substances, working a lot, or other distractions. We stonewall not because we don't care, but but because we are becoming physiologically flooded. Not only are we becoming emotional, but our body is physically shutting down as it releases different hormones and chemicals. We go into fight, flight, or freeze mode when this happens. When someone's stonewalling, the partner may assume they don't care. They may think, oh, they're just detached. They're indifferent. And so they become louder. They may turn up the volume and pursue the person seemingly trying to distance themselves. If you tend to stonewall, you want to become more self-aware of what you think and feel that's leading to this. Chances are you feel overwhelmed, powerless, or ineffective. Saying a sentence to yourself can help you validate your thoughts and feelings and take ownership of how you show up and stay connected. So an example would be, hey, I'm feeling overwhelmed because I'm thinking this is too much. So notice I identified a feeling, overwhelmed, and then I asked myself what thought was causing that. It was my thoughts, not the circumstance, not the situation. So another example would be, I feel scared because I think this won't end well. We stonewall stonewall to neutralize perceived dangerous situations. So if you tend to stonewall, the antidote for this is to stay connected and physiologically self-soothe. Emotional flooding can happen quickly. So if you know this is a habitual way of reacting, devise a plan to change things. I call this having a flood plan. A flood plan is essential before getting into a situation where you're shutting down. Talk to your partner about this plan, letting them know the goal is to have better conversations that aren't reactive. My three-step flood plan includes take a break, reroute, and redo. To take a break, use an agreed-upon hand gesture, code word, or simply say, I'm flooded and I need a break. You are indicating that the other person in the conversation are too important to treat as an emergency. If your partner needs a break, you may need one as well. So support each other in self-soothing by creating physical space between you, agreeing to come back and resume the conversation in a new way. The next step is to reroute your energy. You are feeling upset because of what you are thinking and feeling. So taking time to become aware of why you are flooding and processing those emotions is crucial. Inside my coaching program, Clarity and Courage, I have a course how to feel, which shows you how to find your emotion, experience it, explain it, and let it go. So if you want to learn more about that part of it, you can join my coaching program anytime. And when you do, you'll get immediate access to this concept. As you reroute your energy, you will use the heart scan process to validate your thoughts and feelings and determine how you want to turn toward your partner. As you invite the Lord into this place of emotion, 
you can ask him to comfort you, to search your heart, and to expose any offensive way in you. After you do this, you want to be willing to let go of what you're holding on to. And it will be much easier to do when you take the time to first sit with it and feel it. The last step is to redo the conversation. This simply means coming together, ideally in five minutes to 24 hours. The goal is to deepen understanding, repair, and move forward by having the conversation differently. I share tools and interventions in my coaching programs that will help you do this. So we have looked at four mindsets and habitual ways of relating that can kill your conversations. And we've also looked at the antidotes. Remember, the four horsemen exist not because of your circumstance, but because of your mind. What you're thinking about your circumstance is totally valid. Your thoughts and feelings matter. You just want to see if they're serving you. And that's the work that I love to help you with. Well, that's all that I have for today. I hope you guys have a great week and I look forward to talking with you again soon. If you enjoyed this podcast, I would love to help you take this concept and apply it. Join me in Clarity and Courage, my cost-effective coaching program for Christian women. Each month, receive the tools you need to apply the concepts and grow. We will meet on a live coaching call where you can ask me anything. Plus, you get access to the worksheet workshop where you can have conversations with other women just like you. Learn more and sign up at myhappyvault.com backslash clarity and courage.